Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Oh, I'm pumped. I am pumped because it is my favourite time of the week where myself, Ollie Geel, likes to sit down with, of course, Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer. And we taste a bottle of red wine uh, and talk about all the comings and goings in the world of football. And towards the end of the episode, we will compare that bottle of wine to a player past or present. And Mark, as you could probably hear with my intro, I've got a little extra spring in my step today. There's something sort of a bit different. Do you know what it might be? Something a bit different. I mean, I know, I know you had a big night yesterday, big afternoon, big night yesterday, Super Bowl. Yep. You're a big fan, um, yep. which, uh, I don't know, you've obviously had enough recovery time to, to have a bit extra spring in your step. Yep. Um, Matty Ryan made his debut for Arsenal. However, Arsenal lost. So, I mean, I get you're, you're excited about Matty Ryan playing, but you must be down in the dumps a bit about your beloved yeah. Arsenal hitting a brick wall again. So, no, don't know. What? Uh, well, I'll help you out. You know how I'm obsessed with looking at your posts and seeing some of the big names, you know, like John Terry that might like your photo. And I go, oh, my God, imagine that. You know, that would be unreal. Uh, yesterday, it happened to me. I've, I've copped the like from someone and I can't believe it. Uh, it's only Optus Sports' very own John Aloisi. No way. How is that even possible? Johnny Aloisi. I didn't even know that he knew where the like button was on no. Instagram. I thought, yeah, like, well, he's just joined, hasn't he? So he's that's not, what I mean. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think he's been under severe pressure, I have to say. I think yeah. he succumbed. I think it was peer group pressure, and he felt that he had to join the club and be part of the Instagram gang and that's why he's joined um interesting very interesting i can have to have a chat to him about it actually and just make sure that he's a little bit more cautious on which which posts he likes and doesn't sure. like which which Do actually I... post was it that he liked uh it was uh, me on the beach reading uh, uh just a small excerpt from um uh, matthew mcconaughey's autobiography so oh yes you know, i get I can, it yeah yeah he'd like that yeah my, mine was more of a chuckle than a like Sure, yeah. They need, I mean, obviously, yeah. The, yeah. you know, you could do your chuckling faces and all that, but I, I did a like, but uh, it was more of a chuckle. Okay. Oh, that's fine. Fair enough. All right, eh? uh, <laughs> right. before we get stuck into the wine, Mark, um, I think it's important to, uh, to just sanitise. So I'm just going to pass um, hand sanitizer over the camera there for you. There you go. Thank you. Uh, always continue to mask up, sanitise, keep that going. Right. Let's talk wine, and then we're going to talk football. I cannot wait to get stuck into this. It's the first time I have had a Lebanese red wine, no which way. is very exciting. So it's a Becker Valley Reserve. Uh, the, the valley itself was established in 1857. The grapes are hand-harvested, which allows for a longer ripening period, resulting in fresh, vibrant wine with aromas, flavours of blackcurrant, cherry, and spice. But I don't think I've ever had a Lebanese wine before, which is very exciting. I think I may have, actually. I, for some reason, I think I did when I was actually out in Lebanon. 
I'm pretty sure it did. No yeah. Way. So no. Geez, that's all yes. right. How good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I do like to, you know, as you know, when I do travel around, I do like to to try the local uh, drops, and yep. um, yeah, it's always really good fun. Well, I've gone for a standard, typical Spanish wine, of course, uh, Marquez de Calcares Rioja. Um, it is. is it for you to say. I know, Jesus, I'm terrible, aren't I? I have to say, I'm terrible at pronunciations. Uh, it's made with the Tempranillo grapes selected by hand. Um, it's aged in French and American oak barrels for 12 months, further aging in bottle for served months, highlights for several months. So what am I talking about? Highlights in red berry fruit structure and complexity. Okay, Mark, let's get stuck into the football. And there are a few weekend games that we need to discuss. And one position in particular that uh, comes up a lot on the two sharp reds. We love the goalkeeper position more than anything else. You know that. So let's start at least, though, with Arsenal's loss to Aston Villa. Uh, that's the first time in, I think, I think uh, the first year of the Premier League that Aston Villa has done the double over Arsenal, uh, which is a pretty good statistic for them. But the story, of course, for most people listening to the two sharp reds uh, that, you know, have that connection to Australia was the fact that Matty Ryan made his debut. Uh, not a great opening minute for him, but I felt, oh no, I can see where this is going, but he had a fantastic debut. But before we talk about that, just talk me through the, the moment that you came together, it was a, a little, it was beautiful. It was lovely. Yeah, it was nice. Matty's always gives me lots of time when he's, uh, when he's about, when I go to the games. Um, so it was nice. Yeah. We were in a really good position, quite, you know, pretty close to where they were going to be warming up. And as he came out, I, I called out to him to say hi and he came over and um, yeah, it was nice to see him. So uh, the day itself for him, did you uh, message Matty at all beforehand? I didn't, it, I didn't, uh, you know, because I, you know what, it's, it's a big day as it is, you know, he's making his debut for, for, you know, his new club, massive club in Arsenal. There's pressure on, well, actually at that time, I didn't know whether he was going to be playing or not. I didn't want to even ask him that question. I didn't want to put him under any pressure or feel like, uh, you know, it's a difficult one because when the manager has made it clear that he has a selection, um, uh, sort of headache almost, or, or he has to think about who he's going to play. I didn't really want to put him under any sort of, pressure or feel like he was obliged to say anything um besides wanting to just concentrate on playing and, and and getting his game you know his game head on and everything else so I left it but I also knew I was there in plenty of time and I knew I know quite a few of the Arsenal uh, media guys and I knew that I'd see one or two of them beforehand I was able to have a chat with them and I, I found out that he was that he was playing Right. So it, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult to find out. Um, so we were we we were we had the heads up beforehand, and then when the team sheets were given out to us, because we normally get them about, I would say probably five or ten minutes before they're actually shown. Then um, with the broadcasters back in Australia or around the world, yep. so normally there's I think there's an embargo on on actually releasing on uh, the team sheets. So when they came to me, I, I let them know that I had the um, the team sheets, and I just I, I revealed that Maddie was starting, and I. I said that it didn't matter who else was playing. Um, the main thing was Matty was playing. <laughs> You're spot on. You're spot on. So as we know, Arsenal went on to lose the game. So it wasn't the perfect day for him. And in particular, the opening, what was it? A minute and a half, I think. That's 74 seconds he conceded a goal. And, and, and I asked him after the game. I actually mentioned it after the game. I feel a bit bad about saying it. But I did say to him, Matty, I don't really want to say it. But you know you are the fourth, only the fourth player in the Premier League to have conceded on debut in under two minutes. 
Oh no! Yeah, and what did yeah. he say? Did he say, "Get." Yeah, he was like, oh, "Yeah, cheers yeah. for that." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, but the thing is, he played really well afterwards, and then he couldn't have done anything about the goal um, at the time where we're sitting. Um, it, it looked. I mean, I, I just thought, "Oh wow, how did that go in?" Because you could see that um, it, you know the strike wasn't the the cleanest of strikes. Mm. Um, but uh, but it obviously it took a deflection. We can't we couldn't see it at the time, and then it wasn't until probably five or ten minutes later I actually saw the replay, and you were able to clearly see that it took a big deflection, and there was absolutely zero chance for Matty to make the save. But from that point onwards, anyway, you know um, he played well, and, and it's, it's a testament to him because you know it takes a lot of mental strength. Um, it's difficult, you know, you've got to pick yourself up. You've worked really hard. You, it's come really quickly. You know, he was injured. He was struggling a little bit. He, he actually let them know that he was struggling. And that's why he wasn't on the bench against Wolves. So he could have easily have kind, of, kind of kept it quiet a little bit and tried to, to get through it, take some medication to make sure he got through it. And uh, But he, he did the right thing and held his hand up and said, listen, I need a bit of a break. I've got a problem with my hip. And then obvi- and that's obviously, as it is, that's the moment where he misses an opportunity to come on as a substitute but the great thing is he was fit enough then to make himself available for Villa. And, um, you know, I asked him that after the game as well about how was he feeling, what was his thoughts, you know, you know, watching the game at home, obviously, and, and feeling like, oh, my God, you know, I've, I've, I'm injured. I've, I've told him I'm injured. I probably could have been there. Um, and now, you know, is it a missed opportunity? You just never, never, well, you're never to know, were you, at the time? And he was like, you know, he obviously believes in his own ability and, and then did what he had to do and, and got himself right. And uh, and I think, the, you know, I think Mikel Arteta definitely made the right decision in playing him. And uh, I think overall he, he had a really good performance. I like uh, that chat you had with him when you said, how are you feeling uh, in the Wolves game? And he said, oh, I'll tell you what, by the 75th minute, my hit was feeling a hell of a lot better. Of course, <laughs> I yeah, that. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, of course, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, when you when you kind of in that sort of position or situation, um, there are certain moments. Sometimes it's that you know he's been out injured a little bit. He's got a little bit of a, a knock, and then there's an opportunity to potentially play the next match. Uh, it's amazing how quickly you feel instantly better, and your mental approach, and that and that actually goes a long way to to you know explaining for a lot of people that you know in football, particularly with athletes in general. The mind is so powerful. And if you can get the right frame of mind, you can actually get through things. Provided, you know, there are obviously certain injuries you just can't play through. But there are other injuries that you can. And it depends on how strong you are mentally to get yourself through it. And uh, I've been in that situation many, many times before where you've got an injury and you feel like, geez, I shouldn't be playing really. And, but you don't want to give up your position. You don't want to give anyone else an opportunity. And you know you can still do your job. You just got to grit your teeth a little bit and yeah, you got to take a bit of medication. I mean, I, I played, I played um, oh, probably about five, six weeks with, with a couple of bone fractures in my back. Jeez. And fortunately enough, it, it, they weren't, they weren't really serious. Like fractures are fractures and, and, and you know, they can be quite serious, but mine were the little wings off the, off your spine. So it wasn't the main part of your spine. It was just those little wing things just beneath your rib cage at the back. And I landed really awkwardly from across and my arm was behind my back and I landed on my back and my elbow cracked into my back and it it fractured all down a line of of those little wings. But I managed to, I was managing to be able to still play and it got to the point, I think it was about game three of of carrying this injury and it was just before international break uh, was coming up 
and we played QPR at home and I went out there, I took my medication, went out there and I warmed up, did all the usual stuff and 10 minutes before kickoff, I stretch for a ball and my back goes, completely goes and I'm struggling and I come in and, and I go straight in and I go, oh, don't, you know, I need something, you know, you've got to give me something else. <laughs> he, he gave me a, a, um, a uh, what do you call it? And said, here, this is the best thing and the quickest thing that's going to oh, take it's, effect. Oh, uh, suppose up the Jack's crackers. Yeah, suppository. Oh, suppository. Suppository. Yeah. Yeah. Depository. Yeah. I'm going to deposit. Suppository. Suppository. And and uh, it was the quickest thing. So quickly gone to the toilet. Right. Okay. Off we go. And I said Did to you the manager, goes, <laughs> "No, I left my gloves on. Of course, <laughs> hygiene. Hygiene's of utmost importance." Um, and then uh, the the man, I, I came out and the manager said, "How are you feeling?" I said, "Listen." Oh, I, I can play, I said. But the problem is, I, I can't. I can't kick. I can't. I can't take goal kicks. And if the ball's played back to me as a back pass, yeah, I'll put my th- foot through and I'll be able to clear it. But I can't take any goal kicks. He says, "Fine, just go out there. We'll get uh, John and Arisa to take the goal kicks." So he took the goal kicks. So it's a massive game. So we're playing QPR, which is a huge, huge um, sort of local derby. And and it's the biggest derby between in, in, for Fulham, hundred percent. I mean, even though Chelsea's down the road, but this is more on a, on, a, on an even part playing QPR, and we ended up beating them five nil or five nil or six nil. I can't remember anymore. And uh, it was massive. We, we we were unbelievable. And uh, I actually had a, quite a few saves to make in the game, but I got through it. And then afterwards, we had international break, and I was able to get over that hump of the injury still not really healing. And then I did like ten days of. Um, you know, hyperbaric chamber and all sorts of stuff. And I managed to actually get over it. And by the time I come back from international break, I did miss going back with Australia. And um, I was actually, I was almost 100%, which was amazing. So when we're speaking about injuries, it also really uh, impressed me, uh, just uh, going back to, to Matty Ryan briefly, that it must be really difficult to just join a, a club. You know you've only got a short-term contract for the time being and then you're injured pretty much straight away. That must be really uncomfortable for him to, to even pipe up and say anything in the first place. So I think with all of that in mind, uh, you've you got to take a hat off to Matty Ryan for, for, for doing that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, it, it depends on what sort of injury you have. And like, he, he obviously had a, he had a hip problem, probably, you know, maybe a, a bit of an aggravation of a, what you, you have a, like bursts on your hips as well. So it could be that, it could have been a bone bruise. I'm not, I'm not, I actually don't really know what, what injury it was. But if it's just more of a, 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 an impact injury or a constant impact injury, it's not so bad. Mm. And you can get over it, you can get by it pretty well, pretty easily. You can, restrict the training a little bit you're doing just to be a little bit more careful it's not so bad if, if it's more of a serious injury uh, like a tear or a break or whatever then it's then it's a bit more difficult i think but the fact is that that his was not such a major injury and something that obviously clearly you know even just missing one game during the week and reducing the workload that he was able to get back and be f- sufficiently fit enough to then play um yeah. so yeah i i, I think it's never great when you get injured at any time. It's a nightmare. But I think there's a certain element of frustration. But the fact is that he obviously mentally was strong enough and he physically looks after himself and, and, and does everything he possibly can and it all works in his favour. And that's why he recovered so quickly. Now, a million-dollar question to which I feel like, unfortunately, I already know the answer to. But has he held his spot, do you think, at least for one more game? Uh, you know, I, it's really difficult. I, I, I don't think so because, you know, you've got Burnt Leno who, yes, he was sent off. Um, I don't, I, I, you, know, you look at it and you go, right, how has Burnt B 
been playing throughout the course of the season. And he's actually been playing well. So, yes, he did get sent off. He made a mistake and got sent off. I can't imagine for one moment that Mikel Arteta is going to actually punish him for mm. that and, and leave him out. And because it kind of would be a bit of a punishment, you know, because he's been playing well. He is the number one and has been the number one. I know Matty's gone there and he's there to put pressure on him and really push him. I just feel that it's going to be a lot more difficult for him to, to hold that spot. Okay, Matt, let's move on to another game and sort of sticking with that position because we did say earlier that there was going to be a little bit of goalkeeper chat, but Liverpool have lost again at home. They've now lost to Brighton. They've now lost to Burnley and they've now lost to Man City, which I think is, yeah, that's okay when that happens. But 4-1 and your man, your man, Alisson, possibly, would you say, worst game he's played in a Liverpool shirt? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, go, no doubt about it at all. And and listen, he's a world class goalkeeper, and everybody everybody can have an off day, and he's certainly had an off day. Um, he's normally very very reliable. Very rarely makes a mistake, and very rarely makes a mistake with his feet. And obviously, he's made two massive mistakes that led to directly to goals with his feet. Um, trying to play out, I I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe because he, he he was ill sort of rush back a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that had a part to play in it. A little bit complacent, I felt. I felt it was too relaxed on the ball. Um, and, and sometimes if you're so good at something, you kind of take it for granted sometimes. You get a little bit too maybe, I'm not saying cocky, but you just get a little bit too overconfident. Let's yeah. put it that way. And it just seemed like particularly with a – well, the first one, it got away of a missed kick. Then he got the ball back again and he, he rushed it again and, and, and miskicked it again. And it was just like, wow, like, okay. Literally, I mean, I've done that. I've done that myself, and, but I've gotten away with it. You know, you, you get a couple of balls back and then you know, the next three, four, you just completely mishit him every time. And you're just thinking, right, you know, I've got away with that. Wow. Or you put yourself under a lot of pressure, put the team under a lot of pressure and you've gotten away with it. Um, but then he got punished for it. And then the second one was like, he's just like, I don't know. It looked like he was still thinking about the first mistake. Yeah. And he hadn't moved on. And, and as difficult as it is, you, you've got to move on. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to completely forget it or try and forget about it, put it to one side and go, right, okay, I've messed up, but on with it. And he gets the ball back and he just, he just looks like he's got the ball too close to him. He's he's. He's got no room to even put his foot through it. And then he, in the end, he panics and he tries to put, find someone rather than, and Jürgen Klopp's at it after the game, put it out in the stand. Mm. But th- this, is, this is also a result of the way that the modern game is being played and particularly the way Liverpool want to play and Mad City play and all these teams play. You're going to get mistakes because more often than not, um, because of the sheer number of times you play out at the back, then players overplay in times when they shouldn't be playing and they just make the wrong decision. And that happens. Everyone's human. Everyone makes a mistake. Um, and actually, I, I think it affected him so much that he should have saved the fourth, in my opinion. You know, Fode, Phil Foden, listen, everyone talks about wonderful touch, which it was. It was a brilliant touch with his left foot, tucks inside and gets off a shot, strikes it really well, but it's straight down his throat mm. and he goes underneath it and it ends up in the back of the net. And yes, it does go on the roof of the net. It was hit with, with, with you know, some, some certain, you know, with some serious pace. But 
for me, Allison saves it every day of the week normally. He doesn't concede that. But his head is still with those two previous mistakes, as was his head with the first mistake for the second one. Mm. You know, he, he actually didn't move on. That was what surprised me a little bit with him, that he, that he let each mistake affect him and it snowballed into the next one. And, 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 the, and the last one, sorry to interrupt, the last one doesn't go down as a mistake. The last one just goes down as, for me, it kind of, it, it kind of added to the poor goalkeeping performance. It, it's not a mistake, but it's, he has to save it. So it's one of those ones, like he, because he's got underneath it, he's, he's reluctant. And like I said, I think he's still thinking about the two previous mistakes. So when, um, uh, when Liverpool lost to Brighton, I remembered at the time as well that you will look back, say, for example, in six months' time and, and look on a team sheet that Alisson didn't play and you go, oh, okay, so maybe that's why. But Quinton Kelleher actually played a really great game. So now going back to what we were sort of talking about with Ryan, uh, sorry, Ryan and, and if, you know, if he started the next game, it would be punishing Leno, you'd almost have to think, you know, I couldn't believe I'm even saying this really, but you kind of... Do you think you might have to punish Allison in that situation? No. Go, well, I'll tell you what, Kelleher, you know, why not? No, absolutely not. No, listen, Allison, why not? You, can't, you, can't, you can't just punish someone or drop someone off one bad performance. Yes, it costs them the game, but you, he has been outstanding since he's been at Liverpool. He's a big reason why they won the Champions League and why they won the Premier League title because of him. He's, a big, he's played an enormous part of it. There's no way in the world that you can drop him after one, one bad performance. And yes, it was a doozy. But all I would say is they lost 4-1. He's, he's, for me, he's accountable for, for three of the goals. Better off getting it over and done with in one game than do it over the course of three games. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. And he's strong enough, big enough, big enough shoulders and good enough to recover from it. Absolutely. Um, and for me, he's a clear number one. Keller has done unbelievably well. Don't get me wrong. But no, no way in the world should that be a change. And, and there won't be. No, no way in the world it will be. Were you surprised when you looked at the team sheet that, uh, that Jurgen Klopp didn't play either Kabak or um, Davies? When you, well, Davies, wasn't, Davies wasn't even on the bench, which no, exactly. was a little bit surprising. Kabak was on the bench. I, I kind of get not playing Kabak. I get it. Right. He's come from Schalke, Schalke's like dire situation. His confidence itself can't be great. So he's going to take a little bit of time to integrate. The pace of the game is completely different. Davies is a different one. I, I thought there was a chance he may play. I thought, I thought he may play next to Fabinho and put Henderson back in midfield because they clearly suffered in midfield. Yeah. Henderson's a big loss in midfield. Absolutely enormous. So I am a little bit surprised by that. Um, but you know what? Jürgen Kopp's the manager. He's done it throughout. And he said it before the game. He wanted, he wanted to go with almost like a bit of safety and a bit of... Uh, the experience, uh, the, the, the players that, that, that have played in the team for, for a long time, he's go-to players. So even though they're out of position in Fabinho and Henderson, I mean, Fabinho's been unbelievable as a centre-half. I mean, I think he's better at midfield, but he's been unbelievable as a centre-half. And, and Henderson, Henderson's done a really good job, but it's the first real big test against some really, really good opposition. And I thought he got found out a little bit. And, and that's only because he's playing a different position. He's not playing his regular position. For me, Henderson's a top, top player. Um, and I felt for him a little bit. But uh, the, the goals kill them, as it always does. And the mis- it's, not about, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the goals per se, it's the mistakes, because then everyone drops. And, and particularly uh, the first one, yeah, a little bit. 
particularly once the second one goes in, uh, the second mistake. So the third one, then once the fourth one goes in, obviously the heads are all gone completely. The, the, and in terms of uh, self-belief, confidence, it's, it's gone. The game's done. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit surprised. But then I also understood why he went with such a, an experienced and, and uh, sort of uh, assured side. Uh, hats off to City in, in the end. They uh, are really hitting their straps. And you mentioned one uh, boy's name uh, on that side, and that's Phil Foden. He's absolutely firing at the moment. He'd be, it just feels like, especially with the, the international you know, side, it's very exciting. It, hopefully, for England's sake, is a, an exciting time. But you just worry with our favourite position, Mark, that it almost will count for nothing if uh, they don't have someone decent between the sticks. Yeah, yeah, true. It could. Um, I mean, Phil Foden has been brilliant. He really has. And I, and I think, I mean, I've been listening, watch the game on the weekend, obviously listening to, to a lot of the, the other commentary that's been, 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 uh, been spoken about or, or talked about in terms of um, Phil Foden and the way that Pep Quality Elders dealt with him and held him back and waited for the right times. Let's see. Let's see whether he sticks with him now. Gives him gives him that proper run in the side, allows him to continue to to flourish. Now, I think for a lot of reasons, it's been a kind of a good thing that Kevin De Bruyne is out of the side. For me, he looked a bit tired, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, so the injury is probably, in a way, a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And actually, it's allowed people like Bernardo Silva and Gundogan to come to the fore. And Gundogan's been outstanding. I've, yeah. I've always liked him as a player, but I always felt there was something more to come from him, but he, he just didn't deliver it. And you kind of thought, well, is that going to be it? Even though he's been a great player, don't get me wrong, he's been a, still a really good player. Now he's gone to another level. And he's playing like the player they bought, isn't he, really? Yeah, like, or kind of like you'd expected him to develop into because most players have improved dramatically under, under Pep Guardiola. Gundogan's sort of kind of done it this season. I mean, he showed glimpses, has been definitely, but he's, this season he's really been consistent and it's been no coincidence also that he's become even better once Kevin De Bruyne has been out of the, out of the side. Um, so I, I think the balance of the side actually at the moment is actually really good, funny enough. Um, I think they were over-reliant on Kevin De Bruyne, as wonderful a player as he is. I just found that at times they were too reliant on him. He was always their go-to man. Now it's spread around a little bit more. Other players are taking more responsibility. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, uh, Super Bowl. Uh, went off um, and I want to ask you a question and it's not not you know I don't like making comparisons to people in other different sports I think it's ridiculous it's sort of a, a bit of a moot point but I'm sure you've heard uh, you know um, you know the, the term of the ghost the greatest of all time being tossed about with with uh, Tom Brady I want to know can someone in their chosen field be considered the greatest of all time in what, what you know whatever field that might be in a sporting arena at least, if they haven't won multiple titles. So Tom Brady's now won his seventh uh, ring. So say, for example, Messi hasn't won the World Cup. You know, And so then if we're all comfortable, say, for example, if we all agree that he is the greatest of all time, because he hasn't won that, can we then say 
that that person is the greatest of all time? What, what are your it, thoughts? Do, do you need to have won? Or? It's funny because the people who generally say that Messi hasn't won the World Cup, so therefore it can't be classed as the greatest of all time, are the ones that have actually won it themselves. Sure. So, and, and they're the people that I suppose are in that position whereby hats off, you won the World Cup. And listen, for me, it's so difficult to compare players from different generations. Um, I, 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 do, I do look at, I've seen footages of Pelé. I've never watched him live. You know, you know he's won the World Cup, what, two, three times, how much involvement he was in, how instrumental he was with Brazil. Young age, I think 17 years old when he won the first World Cup. Um, you know, scoring over a 1,000 goals. He, he, the bar is so high, right? Mm. The only thing is, Pelé was at a time where he, he actually didn't play in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a really difficult difficult thing to compare but i still look at pele and go he is if not the greatest but very close to being the greatest and i think it's so difficult to compare i think messi is definitely one of the greatest i think cristiano ronaldo is one of the greatest neither of them have won the world cup but they are definitely one of the greatest you can't keep performing at the level they are i mean and this is the thing your argument your your question about well george best Retired yep. at 27, never played at a World Cup, but still regarded as one of the best players to have played in that sort of position. An unbelievable player, but of a different era, different style of football. Mm. You know, you hear things about him, what he got up to just before kickoff. But he yeah. wasn't, he was warming up in a different type of way. Sure. He wasn't sure. warming up at, yeah. out in the football pitch, you know, and how good he could have been had he have not drunk so much. You know, I, I just don't think, I, I, I like to put him in a group and go truly world-class, this group, you know, international class, whatever it is, you know, top class. But the, the, the tr- truly world, world-class Pelé, you know, Maradona, uh, Ronaldo, Messi, uh, Eusebio. I mean, there's, there's so many of them. Beckenbauer, I, I believe, should be in that group as well. Um, Rossi. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are so many names. I mean, I've missed out loads, but you know what I mean? There, there's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's a whole list of them that would go in that group. Now, let's, uh, let's get that American football and change the shape a bit and head back to the round ball because uh, that's why we're here. And I suppose it's not a bad time to, to actually ask this. I'm going to change the running order a little bit, and I don't want you to stress out because of that. I know you find it uncomfortable if I miss things, you know, go over the top. So don't worry, we'll be back on course soon. But while we're talking about America, um, before the MLS kicks off, your thoughts on Phil Neville uh, going to Miami? I just I can't decide if it's a backwards, if it's a sideways step. I can't kind of, or is it a step forwards? Or what do you think? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he was obviously um, down as I think assistant manager at Manchester United and David Moyes. Uh, then after that, all sort of kind of ended not so well for for David Moyes and Co. David Moyes obviously I think went to Sunderland afterwards, but Phil Neville didn't follow. And then he went on his own little path kind of thing. Obviously, he had that little brief stint with, with, uh, with Gary Neville at Valencia. Um, and then the opportunity came, to, came along to manage the, the, women's, the women's side, uh, the, three, you know, the Lionesses. Um, and, and I think, I, I just wonder whether or not he kind of had limited opportunities over here in Europe to, to continue, or maybe it was a lifestyle change. Maybe he decided from a family perspective, a lifestyle 
a change, uh, a challenge in terms of a new franchise. Obviously, one of his best mates is a part owner of it. Um, probably, you know, there's there's no relegation, um, there's no promotion kind of fight going on. So there's there's no there's none of that pressure. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's an opportunity to potentially grow something massively into something very very special. Um, and yeah, it, it was a little bit surprising, but maybe it's through lack of opportunity over over in Europe. You think maybe if if the Lionesses had won the World Cup, then then potentially his stocks start to grow a little bit more. Do you think maybe if that, well, if that had happened at the moment, if you look at um, the men's game and the women's game, there's very little crossovers. So there's 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 guys, uh, people going across from the men's game into the women's game, but very rarely is it the other way around, yeah. and and. Uh, that will change over time, hundred um, percent. So, I think once once a, a manager decides to go across over to the women's game from the men's game, it's very difficult for them to come back at the moment in time. And and hopefully that changes really soon. Hopefully um, that actually the the women coaches, anybody involved in the women's game, will get the same recognition and um, uh, respect that the that, that, that everyone does in the men's game. That's going to take time. I think the game, the women's game's come, come along in leaps and bounds and it's been incredible. I mean, I, I loved going to the Women's World Cup in, in France in 2019. It was amazing. The quality, the level of it was, was exceptional. Um, and uh, listen, 2023 is an op- unbelievable opportunity for the Matildas uh, on home soil for Australia to, to host uh, a Women's World Cup. is going to be amazing. So um, it's going to take time but it's definitely heading in the right direction. All right, let's get back uh, to the running order. I could see you sweating and, and twitching just a little bit that we went off course there. Uh, I always love when I get to put Tottenham on uh, the running order for certain reasons. Uh, yes, okay, first of all, I should say, very convincing win uh, against, uh, again, a very disappointing West Brom side, 2-0. But I want to, in particular, ask about uh, Jose and Gareth Bale. What's going on? I, I just, it's bizarre. It is so strange. It's it's very very strange. Um, there's very little said from Jose about Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale obviously has been very very silent. I I just go back to the game a uh, couple of games ago when they played away at Brighton. They lost one 0 Gareth Bale started the game, played I think sixty five seventy odd minutes, and then was substituted. He just looked. Firstly. Firstly, his facial expressions, his body language, he looked like he was an upset boy. He looked like something had happened before the game, leading up to it, the day of the game. I'm not sure. And he looked upset. And he was an absolute shadow of himself on the pitch, even in terms of closing the opposition down, uh, work rate, quality on the ball was was really, really surprisingly um, off compared to what we're used to seeing from Gareth Bale. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, obviously, it's so, something's not right. There's, there's no doubt about that. You don't, you don't have to be Einstein uh, to, yeah. to work that one out. What it is, anyone's guess. Um, is it a case of, you know, 
Gareth Bale's just had so many injuries to deal with. He's played so little football in the last couple of years. He's had a lot of injuries. He came to Tottenham injured. He was kind of behind the eight ball from that perspective. Maybe he's not able to get back to the levels that uh, are expected of him. I really don't know. It's always difficult as well when you come back to a club. Don't forget, when he left Tottenham, he was unbelievable. Had the yeah, world at like his feet. Freak. Yeah. He was an absolute freak. And now he's come back as obviously a lot older and someone that's had a, a, a history of late of having a lot of injuries and struggling to get game time. So, and obviously Tottenham's moved on as well. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a tough one. It really is. And I don't, I don't, I don't know unless it almost, it's almost like somewhere on the line that the switch has been turned off. And I don't know whether that's if that's even possible to turn it back on again. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is even going to happen? So he's 31 years of age now. We're, we're assuming that perfect scenario for Real Madrid would be that this low move became permanent, which is absolutely not going to happen now. It would be a miracle if Tottenham wanted to buy him after this. So he'll go back there. He's got His contract runs out in 2022. Do you reckon he just waits that out and then either retires or... Well, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like the only question I'd ask is, has his move now, his loan move to Tottenham, hampered any opportunity he may have to go to China? Oh, you can't tell me they wouldn't like the name though, just in general. Yeah, but but (laughs) there is an element of that, right? But they also, they need a performance. There's no point signing someone just on a name alone and they're not able to deliver. And and, and they're, they're no mugs. They're incredibly fit, well-organized. They're getting better and better all the time. The league is actually at a decent level. So you, you, you can't go over there and think it's a holiday. Mm. There's, no, there's no retirement. Uh, it's not a retirement village. No. Um, a lot of guys have gone over there at also at a particularly young age. So because the money is so good. I, I, I mean, the, the, the contract that he was offered reportedly, what, a million pounds a week when he yeah. almost went last season? I don't think there's any. There's going to be anything near that on offer, um, no. if if at all. Yeah, maybe he goes to Miami. Look at there you go. Just again, you know, it's like it's like him coming to the A League. Yeah, you've got to be fit. You've got to be able to to get around. You've got to be able to have that burst of pace because. For, you know, whether it's the A-League or whether it's the MLS, whatever quality they may, may have dropped drop off from the European leagues, the top leagues in the world, they make up for in, in, in fitness mm. and, and work rate. And that's something that you certainly, certainly can't underestimate. And I, and I know of a lot, a lot of people who have gone out to Australia in particular and the US and have said, wow, it is so physically demanding. And the work that they put in, the training you do, and the expectation in terms of work rate on a match day is intense. And it's right up there. So you can't go there thinking, ah, it's my retirement, it's going to be easy. Because it's not. Mark, let's get uh, our passports out the draw. Uh, it's time to take a trip around Europe. Champions League is almost back. It's coming back uh, next week. But of course, next week, I'm very excited to say as well, we won't say who, but you've someone's replied to you, uh, which is very exciting. And you've organized a special guest for next week, uh, which is very exciting. So we'll probably be focusing on that 
So let's just, uh, you know, have a, a bit of a, a, you know, one week until the Champions League's back. We'll have a bit of a, a preview of that. Some great games, RB Leipzig, Liverpool, Barcelona, PSG, Lazio, Bayern Munich, uh, Atletico, Madrid, Chelsea. Any of those games tickle your fancy? Uh, obviously, you know, interested to see how Chelsea respond now uh, in Champions League. I mean, if they've gone, they've done really well since uh, Tuchel's taken over. How, you know, how does that transfer into European football? Listen, yeah. what uh, Tuchel did last season at PSG was exceptional. Um, Chelsea will be expecting the same by then. They'll have another couple of games under their belt and hopefully from Chelsea's perspective, they'll they'll keep winning and then they'll go into that game with a lot of confidence. Bayern Munich, of course, now at the moment away at the World Club uh, Championship. So a World Club, World, uh, World Cup, Club, World Cup, that's, how, that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they'll be certainly desperate to try and win that um, and then continue that march onto Europe as well and try and retain the Champions League trophy. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how Liverpool do after this run. You know, Liverpool are playing Leipzig now in Hungary because they can't play in Germany. So again, let's see how that transpires. How does how does Liverpool react? How does Liverpool go in Europe? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Champions League football coming back again. It's, Champions League football is brilliant. The quality is exceptional. And this is the, the moment. The knockout stages are yeah. the most exciting part of it. Do you reckon with that Liverpool game, surely Kabak will start that game against RB Leipzig, you'd think, with any sort of Bundesliga nous and knowledge? Yeah, there's, there's got to be a point of starting to integrate these guys. You can't bring them in and, not, and just not integrate them and start playing. I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think on the weekend, the performance against Manchester City with a makeshift back four, uh, well, two centre-halves, and lacking in midfield, I, I think it was confirmation for, for Jurgen Klopp that, you know, everybody's kind of written them off now of having a chance of retaining the, the Premier League title, which I don't think is entirely fair because there's still enough games, more than enough games for Liverpool to get back in it. But it's, it's going to be really tough. So I, I think it's an opportunity for him now to go and go, OK, right, you know what? I've brought these two players in. One of them's got to, I've got to bring one in straight away. I've got to start now integrating both, trying to get both of them into the side get my midfield back into place. Because if they get a really strong midfield back into place, get their, 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 their first midfield in place, the back line will be under less pressure. Mm. But until such time, it's kind of like a snowball affair. I mean, Shakiri's come in and struggled. Hasn't, hasn't, uh, hasn't been able to, to lift his game. He's left his performances. And, and that's partly because he's hardly played. Let's be honest. He's been a bit part yeah. player for, for the best of what, two, three seasons now. Um, so you've got to, I, I think he has to get back to Jordan Henderson in midfield and, and if not, also get Fabinho back in midfield. Now, Lazio, Bayern Munich, uh, as you said, Bayern away at the Club World Cup at the moment. Give us a Bundesliga update, please. For, you know, give the people what they want. They want to know what's going on in the world of German football, Mark. You're the man for it. What's happening? Well, well Bayern have got that little bit of a gap now, a little bit of a breathing spot, a space. They, they won on, on Friday night, um, which was a, a good win, 1-0 away from home. Um, it's whether or not the, the the chasing pack, Wolfsburg are up there, Eintracht Frankfurt have kind of come back into it again after uh, Adi Hütter, the manager at Eintracht Frankfurt, kind of was under a lot of pressure the last couple of seasons because they were failed to sort of get back into European places. They failed to, to, to get any sort of consistency, looked like he was under severe pressure and they seem to have turned it around. Um, Dortmund have just fallen. They're really, really struggling. Um, Obviously, 
Lucien Favre was was released to his duties uh, a couple of weeks ago now. They've got an interim manager, which is never great. And what's just come to light is they've got they're going to make a loss this year of 75 million euros down to predominantly Blimey. down to down to COVID. Um, and then they're not, they're not the only one. Don't worry. They're, the, they're one of the first ones to come out and, and openly admit it. There's going to be a lot, a lot of clubs all over the world that are going to have massive issues. So they've admitted already that, you know, the likelihood is they're going to have to sell then. And James Sancho is right up there and they're, they're going to have to sell another player at least of one of their big players to, to balance out the books. Um, so, Dortmund, as good as their production line is, as wonderful as it is to see these young, talented players come through, you can't genuinely, regularly put a, a, a genuine um, attempt to win the league each year because if you keep changing, if you keep selling your best talented young players or the speculation is around Jaden Sancho, the speculation last summer, I think, certainly hampered him and he's and heard his form because it took a couple of months for him to get back into form again. Um, and he's sort of also been up and down for the vast, vast majority of the season. So I think they're pretty certain that I mean, from all the indications I'm getting is that he will be going in the summer. Um, and the, the asking price won't be as, as high as it was last summer. So that's mm. the risk they ran. The risk they ran was that he didn't quite hit those heights again. COVID hit whole transfer system, the whole valuation of players has dropped a little bit. And uh, I think they'll, I think they'll be, they'll do really, really well to get anywhere near a hundred million for him. Jeepers, Whereas really? last season they were, they were, I think Man United offered pretty much 98, 99 or something like that million. I yeah. just don't think they're going to be doing that again in the summer. Okay, Mark, it's time to wrap things up here in the Two Sharp Reds. Let's talk about our wine. We've got to get back to that. Oh, by the way, speaking of wine, I found a wine cellar uh, up the road from me. So I'm thinking maybe not next week uh, because we've got our very special guest on, but maybe the week after I'm going to go and do the, the, uh, the episode from there. I think that'd be nice. That'd be really nice. Very nice. Very enticing. Oh. I'm really jealous because the fact is that you're obviously, you're not in lockdown. You're able nope. to move freely along around the island, albeit, you know, it's one meter, one, sorry, one <laughs> kilometer by one kilometer, if yep. that. Yep. Um, and uh, which is amazing though, still beautiful beaches. I've been watching your posts on Instagram. If anyone has yep. not seen it, go on to Ollie Gill's Instagram account and have a look Thanks at him so. frolicking uh, on the Literally. beaches. Literally. And also, I think you've got a couple of guest appearances. Certainly David Hasselhoff was yep. in one of them. The Hoff, then there was the Beach Boys, uh, Matthew yes. McConaughey. Put it yes. this way, why I'm not on TikTok is beyond me. That's all I'm going to say. I just can't well, believe it. I, uh, I mean, you know, let's just wait. I, I hold your breath. Don't hold your breath too long because sure. I won't TikTok be very sort of long stuff. Yeah. I think you'll be there soon, won't you? Yeah, it won't take long. Uh, so I've gone for today on the Two Sharp Reds. I've gone for the Beaker Valley Lebanese Reserve. Uh, it's first... Lebanese wine I've had. I've very much enjoyed it. Uh, the Valley, of course, was established way back in 1857, Mark, uh, which is, uh, I don't need to tell you, a very long time ago. Uh, very nice uh, hand-harvested grapes, which I believe as well, you, your wine uh, was also hand-harvested, which is quite nice. Uh, not this one, no. It wasn't? Oh. Oh, sorry. It is, yeah. Yeah, I mm. thought it was. Mm. Yeah, Tempranillo grapes selected by hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Sorry. Uh... Sorry, what was that? Yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. Uh, 
<laughs> You're correct, uh, Ollie Gill, just, for, for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, back at uh, Optisport HQ. Just snip this one up. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we'll keep this in the archives. But yeah, very much enjoyed it. Uh, hand harvested grapes, which allow, of course, for a longer ripening period, resulting in nice, fresh, vibrant wine with aromas and flavours of uh, black currant, cherry, and uh, I, I think a bit of a favourite flavour here in the Two Sharp Red, certainly of the last couple of months, is spice. So I think that that sort of started to, to come up. I don't know if it's on purpose, uh, if it's pure co- coincidence, but our wines have been, you know, had a little bit of spice to it, which I've really enjoyed. Yeah, most of the time they are, aren't they? Uh, full of berries mm-hmm. and full of spice, mostly. So, yeah, I mean, do you want me to continue now? or are you Yeah, happy? you go. No, well, well actually... I'll go. All right. Oh, wow. Because I'm right. Because you said I'm right. No, look, I've just described the, the wine, so I might as well bosh this through when I'm uh, talking about who I'm going to compare it to. Of course, handcrafted, uh, in, in my eyes, also means local. Um, and uh, this guy uh, is very much handcrafted by a certain club, uh, but he he's sort of taking a long time to ripen. So, uh, And I think, hopefully, we're starting to, to see that now but he's gone away from the club and he's been that fresh and vibrant flavour that I think that club needed in particular. Uh, and we saw on the weekend he scored. Uh, so I'm going to give this nice, fresh, vibrant addition. It's taken a long time for him to ripen, but he's been a handcrafted local talent from the hale graduation system uh, at the Arsenal. I'm going to give it to Joe Willock. Of course you are. Of course, you of course you I am. Of course yeah. I am, Joe Willock. That's like the most random name ever. Come on. No, no, because it's Arsenal and everything yeah, else. And Arsenal, yeah. yeah. No, it's, listen, I, I like it. It was a good description. Thanks, uh, it really befitting to your wine, I have to say. Cheers. So, anyway, let's move on to my one, yeah. more importantly. Uh, Spanish wine, Marquez de Carreres, Rioja, and it's a uh, Crianza. Uh, very lovely Spanish wine, which... Um, I can't say a bad thing about it, let's be honest. It's uh, aged in French and American oak barrels for 12 months. So that in mind, being aged, being kept back, this is very much related to my player. Mm-hmm. The manager decided that he wasn't going to introduce him too often, hold him back. Described him as actually the best player, best mo- the most talented young player he's ever worked with, which is quite... Uh, quite a, um, an accolade to receive from this manager um, considering who he has worked with. So he's done it really, really well because at the moment seems to be paying dividends, held back, allowing to develop, allowing to flourish. Um, and that's, that's been happening right now. He's, he's, um, he's a player that is silky, silky smooth. And at the same token, looks elegant on the ball, incredibly elegant. Yeah. And we saw that with a fourth goal at Liverpool the other night. Mm-hmm. Outside the left foot, touch, silky smooth touch, gets it down and elegantly runs at uh, Alexander-Arnold. Uh, Alexander-Arnold? No, Robinson. Yeah. And cuts back inside and smashes it into the roof of the net, none other than Phil Foden. And it very much is befitting this uh, red of red wine from Spain. They're all hot. I was worried when you said uh, elegant. I went, well, it made sense when you said elegant on the ball, but when you look at Phil Foden, elegant, no. he ain't. <laughs> no, but he looks on the ball. He looks oh, incredibly yeah. elegant and oh, silky. Word. Yeah. 
Looks I think uh, both gold stars for us today. I think we did well there. Good, uh, good work. Good, you know, good punditry. Uh, good, you know, good tasting. Um, you know, good jokes from my behalf. I, I was pretty happy with that. Some of those yeah. jokes. Hey, I you, haven't edited you're yet. You're only happy. You're only happy because I said you were right for a change. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, haven't edited the, the podcast yet, but I'm, I'm assuming that'll be really good as well. So I'm feeling good about this. It's been, it's been a good day. Uh, and, and if you think it uh, you know, is just as good, of course, please continue to, uh, to leave reviews, comments, a few stars, all of that. Um, all feedback welcome. Um, but as we've said before, Mark, that you know, the bad ones I will delete. So you know, the, all feedback's welcome. <laughs> But, but I, I don't we'll mind a bad, bad one. one if it's. I don't mind a bad one if it's decent, oh. cr- constructive banter, you know, okay. or, or, or okay. even criti- critique. I don't mind that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I just don't like the one that are foul and abusive and just, sure. you know, no thought in it whatsoever. Just a standard anonymity and yeah. can write and say whatever they want. Um, that just pretty much sums up social media as a whole, doesn't it? Oh, anyway, absolutely. How pretty Thanks. sad is that? Uh, it, it just as I let you go as well, that reminds me of well, after I did my first show on BT Sport, for the, the AFL show, someone tweeted uh, BT Sport saying, hey, BT, can you lose the buffoon with stupid hair and even worse dress sense uh, from the AFL coverage? If I wanted to hear dribble like this, I would have watched a Donald Trump press conference. And oh, I went, wow. whoa, 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 whoa. So that's got to be the first time and only time you've ever been compared to Donald Trump, right? I uh, know. Well, I didn't mind that so much. It was more the dress, yeah. the, the yeah. hair and the dress sense that I took offense to. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine because you <laughs> yeah. are super, super protective when it comes to that, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a bit yeah. Anyway, yeah. shout out to the Milk Monster, I think he was called. Uh, it shows <laughs> that... Uh, People don't forget, uh, lives in my head rent free from the milk. And head. Ollie Gill is at this moment tracking you down. So yep. beware, look over your shoulders and don't Correct. go down any dark alleys because Ollie Gill will be there. You'll see a curly mullet just <laughs> lurking around and a shitty grown moustache. That it'll get anyone scared. Mark, exactly. Absolutely great episode. Big cheers. Been fantastic. Really enjoyed it. And next week, listen, any of your listeners out there, make sure you tune in for next week because I've got a surprise for you. Got a guest on this player. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Ex player Mm -hmm. played his entire career at one club, and that was Aston Villa. Had opportunities to leave, didn't, and is an Aston Villa fan, player through and through in his entire career there. And he'll be on the show next week. Cheers, mate. 